0: I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you know what I want? I want justice. Oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. I'm Chris. And I'm Tim. And this is the Deconstruction Series. Welcome to the Always More Podcast, where we believe there is always more room at the table for honest conversations, meaningful questions deeper understanding. And today, we are continuing with our Deconstruction series. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, you probably should uh, before listening to this one.
1: Just might.
0: Only because, as we shared in the episode, one of our greatest influences in Deconstruction was just listening to people. When we listen and seek to understand, we often disarm ourselves and genuinely search for the truth in the matter. In this episode, we might come across a little more emotional or heated, but... (laughs) (laughs) we're probably definitely going to come across, we're almost certainly going to come across more emotional or heated. um, Because today we are talking about a topic that is at the forefront of deconstruction. Like any deconstructionist is going to have something probably again, heated uh, to say on this topic. And that is the church or like many pastors like to correct the church with a capital C.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And mind you, Just because you get emotional doesn't make you wrong. Now, granted, I do know that getting all heated and defensive can make you look wrong, and I've definitely seen that from different parties, but that doesn't necessarily make
0: you wrong. Yeah, just just because you maintain your emotional stoicism doesn't mean you're right.
1: Oh, he was more polite and collected. He knew what he was talking about. He's correct.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really easy to seem oh. correct when you fully believe in your own stupidity, but, you know, yeah. moving on from that one. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I think for this entire series, we're probably just going to dive in. Yep. There's Let's no just, way to, like, just do it, man. tiptoe into the pool. I'm
1: diving in. I'm going deep. <laughs> I, I never the knew rest. the words <laughs>
0: to that song, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it was always a fun music video, too. Oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> So like I said, we're talking about uh, the church, not specifically our churches, but the church. Yeah. Uh, So let's start with some stats. Um, According to the Gallup poll, which if you've ever taken an internet poll is probably done by Gallup. They do everything. Americans membership in houses of worship has continued to decline as of 2020, dropping below 50% for the first time in the eight decade trend not 8 years 80 yeah. that is four score years ago yeah uh four score and one year ago technically cuz it's the year of our lord 2021 now and this was in 2020 true uh 40 per, 47% of americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue or mosque down from 50 in 2018 and 70 in 99 isn't that crazy it's 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 it, it is a it's understandable but it it's a big dip yeah like, yeah that's all americans any house of worship from 70 in 1999 to 47 only 20 years later
1: just just considering the other years that the the constant 70% it's just yeah it's just mind boggling
0: uh so us church membership was 73% when gallup first measured it in 1937 and remained pretty close to 70% for the next six decades Before beginning a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century, according to the the Deconstruction Network, 2,700 people leave the American church every day, and yet 78% of those people claim to retain some level of faith. As we previously mentioned in our last episode, Tim and I are both in that 78%. Yeah. In other words, Jesus doesn't seem to be the main (laughs) problem. Not the main one, anyways. It's not, not the problem I have. <laughs> no. No, definitely not the problem you have. No. Um, so, what is the issue, then?
1: So, as Timothy Isaiah Cho, an associate editor for Faithfully Magazine, puts it, one of the sobering things to realize is that Christians and the church are often the leading cause for why people want nothing to do with Jesus. We've got to own that if we aim to be the salt and light in the places we've been called to serve in, end quote. Um. It's it's just I, I, there's so many times, and I'll kind of go into this later, but there've been so many times in 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 my um in my experience of working at the church where there was this concept of like, well, we've already we've always done it this way, or we've always had to do it this way. I'm like, look, you can have that mentality, or you can even hold on to your fundamental faith things, but here's the truth: people are leaving,
0: and what we're doing isn't working. So one of my favorite quotes. Uh, Actually, it's the intro to a song by DC Talk, if you remember. Oh, come on. Um, Yeah. Bring it back. This is from the 90s. Um, It's the beginning to the song, What If I Stumble. Oh. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. Come on. Acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle.
1: Are you sure DC Talk said that? Oh, yeah.
0: (laughs) And that is what the unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. Mm. Man. That's the problem right there. It has nothing to do with Jesus, the man, the myth, the legend, whatever you want to call him. It's his followers. I think that was uh, Gandhi actually said that as well. Yeah. I love your Jesus, or I love your Christ. It's your Christians I don't like. Yeah.
1: Today we want to share our stories about our church experiences, what we have heard and read from others to talk about the issues that a majority of Christians seem to shrug under the rug and talk about what a healthier church might look like. Let's establish some ground rules or recognize some common thoughts that I know some people will have throughout this episode. I think we're probably
0: going to do that in every episode. Yeah, I think this is Ground rules are a good way to start.
1: Right. Um, Chris, if you don't mind, I'd like to start off with this one. Please. Um, Are all churches bad?
0: No. Oh, I have different (laughs) answers. I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding.
1: But here's the thing. Most American churches either contribute by being a part of the systemic problems and or they don't recognize, acknowledge, and address the many problems that are now being voiced by so many, in which many leaders call this rebellion or divisive. And I am a first-hand witness to see church leaders deliberately and knowingly ignore said problems. Yes. They would rather address issues that either lift them up or side with their political slant. Yes. Yes that's what we're that's what most from most. what i've seen deconstructions when they're talking about the church this is the main issue yeah you, you can get into a lot of theo- theological debates and trust me there are but when it regarding
0: the church itself it's this and i do want to say like for some pastors at least in my experience it's not even intentional that's true it just happens right like they don't realize that that's what they're doing but if you point it out like it it's still in their head just doesn't compute and they continue doing it. Yeah. Yep. It, it's nothing intentional. It just happens. Right. So we're not attacking pastors for doing that. Yeah. We're just trying to point out things that are happening. Agreed. Um. So the next one. But that's not the church. That's not all churches. That's kind of like in the same vein as well, not all men. Right. Like, look, look, we know. We know it's not all churches. It's not as simple as Christians make it out to be. If you hold the belief that the church is Christ's bride, that's fine. Uh, but we simply cannot let the people or the systems of that bride just commit injustice or use the language of the church let sin run rampant.
1: <laughs> See, th- this is a further like, different, because I wanted to address the capital C. It's like, well, this isn't the church. This is not how the church... like, well, the church as a large portion of the smaller churches, they're behaving this way.
0: No, I completely agree. That's not how the church is supposed to be. Right, right. But that's how it is. Yeah. That, that's all you... That's all we can say on that. Yeah. That topic. And,
1: and here's the thing. is As 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 Christians, we are all part of the system, in the same way that we all we, we we um in the same way where we treat global poverty as the richest nation in the world. We too, as Christians in one of the most religious countries in the world, need to hold our collective selves accountable. But I will say this, Chris, regarding these churches and most of them don't say anything but for the, from from what I've seen most of the churches that actually do try to speak up and be accountable and actually like you know actually apologize on behalf of other churches and Christians most are run by minority leadership ooh
0: ooh
1: that's what I've seen ooh homie I'm yeah I'm as white as can be and this is not coming from like some left agenda or whatever the most churches I've seen just apologize. Not necessarily even take credit, but just say, I'm so sorry this happened to you. It's from uh, churches that have minority leaders.
0: Yep. And not just like <laughs> black churches because- No. Obviously. LGBTQ yeah. people- LGBTQ leadership. Yeah. Um, female leadership, black, brown, doesn't matter. Basically
1: churches that aren't held by white uh, white males.
0: Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much white it. White supremacy- and Americana Christianity go hand in hand, and it is hard to separate the two. Yep. Um, so if you are not supporting white supremacy, you're more likely to understand the real church. Yeah. Not Christianity Americana.
1: Right. Next argument. But what about... Dot, dot, dot.
0: But what aboutism is probably my favorite argument style on social media right now because that's all you hear. Yeah. It's yeah. The, it's the straw man argument. Yeah. You're setting up an issue to deflect the issue that's actually at hand and lessen that importance. That's like if we're talking about you know, oh, I think the PlayStation 4 was better than the Xbox 1. And then somebody's like, "Well, I like the Wii U." We're debating these two topics, <laughs> yeah, yeah stay over there we're talking about these two things
1: Well, see what's happened recently is like, especially with churches and trust me, if you haven't been hearing about it, you are not listening to the right sources or listening uh, listening good enough but there has been a many church scandals as of late of leaders abusing physically, sexually abusing others. Oh, yeah. Um, And so what will happen is when these things get brought up, especially by those who are deconstructing, usually the argument is like, well, look, you just had someone on the left, Kumo from New York, he he did this. And I'm like, yeah. Fire him too. (laughs) No, literally. It's so funny, Chris. Every single person I've read from the left, I'm like, yeah, get rid of him. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. Get rid of them. (laughs) I do the
0: same thing. People are like, well, what about this guy from your party? That's not my party. Get rid of him. I don't care. (laughs) If he's doing the same things that I'm complaining about, get rid of him. Get rid of all of them. Like, y'all don't understand. I don't worship any of these people. Yeah, right. Like, I don't care. If you're doing wrong, I don't care if you're white, if you're black, if you're gay, if you're straight. Like, if you're in leadership and you're abusing your power, you no longer need to be in leadership. Yeah. That's all there is to it.
1: Well, then there's a whole other level to this as well, is that. The church is at a different standard from what the church would say is the world, the secular world. Yeah, it's supposed to be a higher standard. Right, and so it, it shouldn't matter what the world is doing. The world's going to do what it's going to do, according to that theology, yeah. if that's what you hold. It's going to do whatever it wants. So if we're going to be a church, then we need to hold each other collectively as uh, as Christians and as followers of Christ. And so when something does happen, like with the pro, with uh, Black Lives Matter and with all this stuff, we should be speaking up with our brothers and our sisters that are of color and saying, hey, this stuff isn't right instead of just saying one small remark. That, oh, hey, guys, I'm so sorry. Please don't riot.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. That, that, that oh. See, things like that, those aren't political issues. And it really bothers me how much politics has seeped into the church. Oh, yeah. Like it's supposed to be the separation of church and state. Obviously, one, so the government doesn't run the church, but also so the church doesn't run the government and the two don't intertwine. You're supposed to be able to have church and the government separate from each other. Yeah. You don't have to be a Republican to be a Christian. You don't have to be a Christian to be a Republican. And if I say, hey, I don't like the way that this church is handling this situation, you shouldn't be able to pick a political party for me based on that. Yeah. It shouldn't be... We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) All right. What's the next one, Chris? Uh, Exactly what we were just talking about. You're attacking Christ's bride. (laughs) Um, So, churches obviously are given authority by God. That's been the widely held belief for a long time. Um, A lot of language and emotion might feel like we're attacking these churches because of the way that we're saying things just to tear them down. And while we would like to see the people that commit actual injustices be taken out of leadership, um, I would probably argue most most of us who have or are deconstructing, deconstructing uh, we're not attacking anyone in particular. We're trying to prevent further harm. Yep. We're coming after the issues and the things that those people are doing, not the people. Again, to use church, uh, church lingo. Lingo. Hate the sin, not the sinner. Come on.
1: So, Man, isn't that funny how things come around, isn't it?
0: It is. It can be applied in multiple ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so here, here are things that um, uh, is from the New Evangelicals. That's an Instagram site. I think they're actually a little bit bigger than just Instagram. But here are six undeniable reasons Christianity is under attack in America. Are you ready for this, Chris? Oh, Lord. Number one, the church brings in over $100 billion a year in tax-free donations. Number two, there are over 300,000 churches in America. Number three, the church has its own music industry. Number four, the church has its own movie industry. Which sucks. Number five, the church has its own book industry. Which is all right. And creepy. And number six, church makes up 90% of the U.S. Congress.
0: Christian specifically, yeah. Yeah, that's insane to me. It- there, are you aware that there are some states that have laws still to this day oh, on the yeah. books that if you don't believe in God, you cannot hold public office? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Guys, a lot of us are upset because the current model of accountability in the American church by large hasn't worked. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. We're, we're, we're asking it to be accountable. Um and I'd like to take a moment to address the word systemic. I know we all talk about this in our episode about race. I know we'll address this. But as a Christian leader, you cannot tell me that the Bible does not speak upon systemic issues. That's literally the explanation of how sin entered the world. Oh, yeah. It's literally how we explain how how a baby
0: that's, is sinful. See, that's what I don't understand about Christians that are like, well, systemic racism isn't a thing because I'm not racist. I never owned slaves. Okay, so you understand the concept of original sin. You're born into a world that is sinful, and it is your job to not sin and to fix the disconnect between you and God. Yeah. But you don't understand the fact that you were born into a world that was created by racists in which white people are on top of society, and it's your duty to bring everything else to reconnect. Like, you don't... Like you can't say you believe in one and not the other. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. That yeah, um, look. It, I feel like I'm going to be really frustrated through a I lot know. of this. No, I know, and I know. We're not even debating anybody. We're no, just, we're just talking about this between us.
1: And guys, again, the reason and why thank you guys, and the reason why we're already getting so tense about this is because, and what I would argue, a lot of people who are still holding onto their faith who are deconstructing is because we have seen and heard and listened to the hurt that the church systemically. Has allowed to happen, yeah. That, that's what it comes down to, guys. Yeah, absolutely, we're, we are not attacking the the bride of Christ. We are not attacking that whatever. We are attacking the accountability that is lacking. We are we are attacking, uh, say, attacking. We are trying to defend those who can't defend themselves, who have been ignored, who have been brushed under the rug, who have who have not been listened to because they were women, they were minority, they were LGBTQ because their story didn't who really matter targeted. in the context. Yes, guys. And here let me let me say this. A lot of these stories I didn't hear until I chose to listen. You have to choose to listen to these things. If you think it's not a big problem, guys, let me tell you, it's a huge problem. I'm going to I'm going to share in the show notes later, but there's a there's an Instagram page I follow where they share stories of people who have gone through pain, hurt, abuse in the church. It's guys, it's out there. It's real. We're not making this up. Oh, we're not yeah. We're not trying to exaggerate the problem. And, even, and guys, even if it was just a small, minuscule amount, it should still be addressed.
0: One is too many.
1: One is too many. And I guess this is really the last point, too. I guess I kept wanting to say the same thing over and over again. But there are some who mock the church, but many of us, like us today, are simply asking it to keep up to our standards. Yeah. That's what it comes down to.
0: Look, if you're... The way I look at it, if you're a boss at a job, you hire an employee, they're supposed to do something. If they don't do that job, you either correct them or you fire them. Yeah, That's the same way we should be with a church. Like if a church isn't doing the work of Jesus Christ, it needs to be corrected or it needs to be left. Right. If it won't correct, it's got to be taken down. That's exactly what Jesus would do if he were here, and you know it. Don't try to say it. he wouldn't because he drove people out of the temple. Like he made a whip and drove people and animals out of the temple because they weren't doing God's business in the temple. Yeah.
1: I would like to, before we take a break real quick, I'd like to share one of my Something I think I'll put in the show notes too um, is a recommendation um, for, to hear just an example of this of this kind of a story, and that is to listen to uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but yep. um, it's a podcast um, series about Mars Hill Church and Mark Driscoll. And these issues – and I'm listening to this podcast and so many others that I've, I've been reading comments uh, from people who've been listening to it. We're all saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, it may not be exactly word for word or exactly like this, but there there are so many churches that were abusive in this kind of way or, or at least resembled it. It's not as – it's bigger than you think. Just let me say it like that. Yeah. Chris, should we take a break?
0: I think so. Um, we're going to go ahead and head to break for you guys for just a second. Stick around with us. We'll get a little more detailed coming up. I think this is going to be a fun episode. Fun oh, for yeah. me, anyway. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be fun for everybody, but... I'm
1: uh, gonna we're going to find something to be fun about. <laughs> All right, we'll right back.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome back.
1: Welcome back.
0: Thanks for sticking with us through our commercials. <laughs> um... I know it's probably going to be a little awkward here yeah. those like upbeat. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Maybe we should do some more upbeat uh, deconstruction stuff. I don't know. Maybe we'll come back with a game next time or something. <laughs> that is, that is On it. our next deconstruction <laughs> series, <laughs> <laughs> what did <laughs> I miss? <laughs> All right, guys. Um, well, like Tim said a second ago, we're going to get into our stories a little bit about the church. Um, each little deconstruction topic we're going to touch on is going to first and foremost be from our own personal experience because that's how deconstruction works. Yeah. We're going to touch on these issues in general, but it's important to us that you understand the stories that cause us to feel the way that we do. You kind of get a glimpse into our lives and show you how we got to where we are. Right. So what do you got for me, Tim? Let's hear your story first.
1: All right, guys. As you know, there's no long story short with me. But I'm gonna even try. Even if my, he says it, even if I say it, um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try my best. I, I categorized my this story, this church story, into three segments. Okay, only three chapters.
0: Only three chapters.
1: Now there might be sub chapters, but th- three <laughs> main things here. Okay. Um. So as I mentioned last week, I literally grew up in the church, so I saw a lot. And fortunately, as a child and teenager, and as a teenager, most of what I remember was good, or at least not explicitly abusive to my understanding at the time. So. Moving forward, I want to categorize my church story into three parts. Childhood, youth group, and working in full-time ministry. Um, so this is going to be the shortest part, childhood. Luckily for me, some of my earliest memories of the church were at a very healthy church with a pastor I still remember very fondly. Uh, it was at a church called Praise Christian Center in Beaumont, Texas, and the pastor was Pastor Reggie, Reggie Lloyd, and, um, he, I was in elementary uh, and sixth grade at this time. But what I do remember was a, what Pastor Reggie did for his community. He constantly bust people in to be fed for free. He opened the church for the homeless during natural disasters, which Beaumont is right there by Hurricane, you know, Central. So uh, it was often, and he himself served at most, if not all, of their outreach events. So he was the kind of person who put his money where his mouth was.
0: Those are the kind of people I like. I'm here for those kind of people.
1: I, 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 to be honest, I don't remember all of his theology. Again, I was young, but what I did see from him was that he loved people, and right. he, he brought people in to the church, not from an agenda, not to try to convince them of anything, but just to be human, just to love them and feed them and to do what Christ has asked us to do. Um, fun fact, I experienced my first mosh pit at this church. Nice. Uh we How'd had, it we had uh, it was, uh well. Um we we had this uh, <laughs> I don't know how this happened, but our youth pastor um brought in like they had a tour, like just three other like super hard metal bands, and they're apparently they were Christian. I don't remember or not.
0: Do you remember any of the bands' names? No. I uh, sorry. Was Dismas one of them? Oh <gasps> Yes! It was Dismas, Turn Off the Stars, Edison Glass, and Oh, what was the last? Oh my one? gosh! Finding Forrester. Oh my gosh! That tour was also at Grace Christian. Oh my when gosh! And I was there before you got there. That's so cool. That's where I found my first how mosh pit wild. too. Wild! That's insane. <laughs> oh man, how we never talked about this? I don't know. This is so cool. Man, so you funny. guys are getting a genuine moment from us. This, I love this. Oh, I love this for you. That's I awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I was there. That was my first mosh pit as well. I mean, <laughs> we, not the one in Beaumont, but right. that was so cool. Oh, Oh gosh, yeah, no, they absolutely were. Christian, if you guys are listening to this right now, please go look up those bands. Um, <laughs> Edison Glass and Dismas were probably my two favorites, yeah. But the other two, um, I don't remember too much about, um, but I remember the concert being great. Oh, yeah, so oh, cool. well,
1: there you go. Well, that's the end of my childhood part. Uh, moving <laughs> on to youth group. <laughs> See, that was quick first chapter, yeah. There you go. Um, okay, so without going into a very long, extensive story, um, of all of my experiences at youth group, let's just go over some of the things that I would recognized as rather weird, strange, or just straight-up wrong. Yeah,
0: straight-up kooky-dukes.
1: Yeah. So some of my best and strangest experiences I had growing up in youth ministry, uh, youth group, was summer camp. Come on. Summer camp.
0: Yeah. Somebody talk about summer camp. <laughs>
1: um, okay. So a lot of it was good. Most of it, I would say, was good. But there are definitely some things that I recognize now as being like, oh, yeah. And even a lot of us at the time collectively knew this was wrong. Chris, were you there the year that we had this evangelical pastor come by and he recommended that we could laugh in the spirit?
0: I remember that vaguely.
1: That was the weirdest, kookiest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. And what's what I guess is a good thing is I recognize a lot of people around me thinking the same thing like, yeah, this doesn't seem right
0: something's off. Right.
1: And so I remember at this time the, the this pastor came in and he talked about the holy spirit and about speaking in tongues and basically if i remember correctly alluded to that we can laugh in the spirit and laugh away the enemy and laugh away um the the problems and to celebrate with god in the midst of things. And he tried to get us all to laugh and in the spirit. And that was not okay. Um very 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 weird.
0: Uh yeah. See, like, it, it sounds like something that would be okay, but it also sounds like it could go far outfield so fast. Yeah. All
1: right, next thing. Um, let's talk about the probably the not wise choice is to allow just, just just, camp in general, having boys and girls that are in the midst of puberty being unattended for long periods of time.
0: Oh, yeah. Camps, lock-ins, the whole nine yards.
1: That Camp boyfriends and girlfriends, that was a phenomenon. Um, it, guys, it, I don't I do don't even know how to ex- explain what, what. Uh, now, granted, me, I was a good Christian kid, so I didn't do anything horribly wrong, but I definitely witnessed some things, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that shouldn't be happening, and it, it just, it was not a good idea. Let me say it like that. If we're going to do camp, we, we need to be a little bit more supervised, let me say it like that. Oh, yeah. Um, let's talk about worship in youth group. Um. I still have some complex and mixed up feelings about this. So, on one hand, I don't see anything necessarily wrong with using music to worship or to feel a connection with the divine. On the other hand, I have seen and been a part of using music to manipulate emotions to stimulate a, m- a movement of God.
0: Now, I want to say real quick that that's all music is is True. manipulating emotions and moments. Uh, whether they be with God or not. Um, The difference is, though, like, if you're just playing a song to elicit an emotion, sure, I get that. But when you are specifically cultivating an environment and then shaming people outside of that environment and then just pushing this one specific point across... Like you turn down the AC, yeah. Set the lights just so, and then when people aren't feeling what you're wanting them to feel, you start shaming them for it. Right. That's when it becomes a problem.
1: Well, and and not, and I agree with you. But there's even moments too to where I remember you would, as as the worship leaders, you would set up a a, a list of songs, and you would purposely orchestrate it to where it would lead up to this big moment where it's most intense, it's most emotional, and then right after that, you set up the altar call. Yeah. That does not feel genuine to me.
0: No, not at all. And that's problematic, Yeah, for sure.
1: And so, again, and I'm not saying that every emotion felt during worship is wrong, and or not even actually spiritual. In fact, there was one time I do remember during a summer camp, and I don't know if you were here for this, but it was after um, uh, AJ passed away, or he was killed in Iraq. Or was it Afghanistan? It was one
0: of the two. Uh Afghanistan. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Afghanistan. Doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I was there for one year. After that, for one summer camp. After that,
1: okay. Well, I'm. Mean, I think it was a winter camp, but um, I was definitely there for winter camp. Um, Pastor Daryl, my our youth pastor at the time, his his son was killed in Iraq or Afghanistan, and I, I remember he, he would say later on that he 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 was. I mean, obviously going through tragedy and just feeling all kinds of emotions and but I remember we were going through this worship set one night and the the pure not just emotion on him, but the connection and the the reaching out to God and to the divine in that moment was the most realistic moment I've ever seen. It was a father who still mourning his son's death and a moment where he is calling out to God to just be there with him to yeah. feel with him. So I I I want to make that clear because it, it's 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 not simple. It's not black and white. No, um, there's there's nothing wrong with using worship, in my opinion, to music to worship and to experience God or the divine or Jesus, whoever. Um, I still do that.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. I I still have a worship playlist on my phone, even though I haven't been to an actual church for a worship session and a long time outside of the one I just went to on vacation. Yeah. It was my dad's church. That was really nice. But yeah, the music itself isn't the problem. It's the intentional manipulation behind the music. Right. That a lot of churches will use.
1: There you go. Yeah. Well said. Um, all right. So moving on. And uh, I'm going to try to brush through this because we're going to have a whole episode about this one. Um, but it's the talk. Oh yeah. The purity culture, the ring thing. The ring thing. Um God, so I hated that. uh so one of the biggest origins of mental and spiritual abuse that has come through uh, has come in, through the unhealthy teachings within the purity culture of the 90s and 2000s and i would say mostly to women.
0: Oh yeah. Purity culture affects all, but it's a heavier weight swung at women than it is at men for sure.
1: I never remember being told to dress a certain way so not to tempt other girls. I remember uh, being told that our urges were good and from God and yet dangerous and cannot be trusted. Um, There were a lot of things that were said that, on one hand, you can go like, okay, yeah, we want to be wise. We don't want to just live frivolously and do stupid things. On the other hand, um, you don't have to dress a certain way to—you are not responsible for someone else's lust. Yeah. You're just
0: not? No, absolutely not.
1: Um. Now, I'll say this for now. There's a book that I'm almost done with titled Jesus and John Wayne that describes in great detail the hidden, um, or at least to those who grew up in it, reasons why this purity culture was a uh, a driving force within churches during this time. And, um, and I'll sum it up in one word. It's patriarchy.
0: Oh, yeah. So well, the same way that American Christianity goes hand-in-hand hand with white supremacy, whether you want to admit it or not, it also goes hand-in-hand hand with the patriarchy. Yeah. It sets men up to be the head and women to be submissive to their husbands and blah, blah, blah. There's all kinds of problems. And that's, again, not all churches, we know. Um, But it is very problematic. And the churches that follow these uh, purity culture lessons, basically, will put boys and girls in separate rooms. And they'll say "Oh, to the boys, you know, hey, when you get married, you're going to have sex and it's awesome. High five. Right, And then they take women and they're like, look, if you have sex before you're married, you are useless. You're worthless. You're damaged goods. Nobody's going to want you. Nobody's going to love you. And everything's going to go wrong for you for the rest of your life. If a guy has sex outside of marriage, it's like, oh, that's a sin. Moving on. Yeah. But like for women, virginity, which I also believe is a social construct, is tied to their worth. Right. And if they're not virgins, they're not worth anything. and they're useless, and it's very damaging to tell women that, to tell anyone that specifically, but right. it's targeted at young, vulnerable women
1: on yeah. purpose. And and guys, hear us out. It may not have been said that way, which I'm sure it has been said that exact way before, but it was demonstrated that way through illustrations, through different examples. That's what, especially like if you've talked to my wife, you'll hear that kind of like, yeah, I remember hearing something like if that. If you
0: talk to my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Separate churches, by the way. My wife and your wife went to separate churches, and they have the same experience, so I know it's not just one particular church.
1: Yeah. Moving on, and now I'm in my third chapter. Now working at the church. Here we go. I like to circle back to a word. (laughs) I'd like to circle back a second to a word that I discussed in last week's episode. Fundamentalism, which, again, is a religious movement characterized by a strict belief and literal interpretation of religious texts, especially within American Protestantism, Protest, Protestantism and Islam. And to make fundamentalism worse, especially at my church, a lot of pastors believe that it was there, or there's the people that they agreed with that just affirmed their own beliefs, interpretation of Scripture is foolproof.
0: Yeah. Inherent. 100% correct. Yeah. Given to them by God.
1: Here are some signs of fundamentalism, especially within the church, that I read from uh, Michael Gunger. He says number one, questions are shamed. Yep. Yeah, that's a big one. Number two, dissonance or disagreement is seen as a threat. My childhood. Number three, some sort of purity is important, whether it's language, action, belief, or etc. Number four, some information is seen as dangerous in itself. Also my childhood. And number five, scapegoating.
0: They are the problem. The almighty they.
1: He continues here to say, If you find yourself afraid to be yourself truly, to speak, to create, to wrestle with, to love, to doubt, however you need to, you are likely in touch with some form of fundamentalism. Now, I can probably hear, because this was my thoughts back in the day, that it's like, well, you're just pushing out to the extreme. No. The, the, this is more widespread than you speak, especially if you haven't worked in a church. A lot of these things were used as excuses to have control. Oh, yeah. That's what it comes down to, yeah. is, is, is for the leader to have control. Um, I can definitely attest to create creatives. Um, we we spoke to some friends of ours a few weeks ago that have have been been through this process Um, so the reason why I wanted to bring this up again is because at that time I didn't have the language to call out what it was I was witnessing our church leadership but I would you know later understand uh, it and I, I would understand it as an emotional and spiritual abuse in the form of fundamentalism now, I'm not saying that if you have a foundational a foundational belief in something, that makes you a abuser necessarily. But I will say that in my experience, having a fundamentalist mentality makes it far easier to ignore people's hurt, sound logic, and other people's experiences or even other interpretations of Scripture. And I'm definitely going to bring that up later. Yeah, please um, do. Uh, I started as a youth ministry assistant serving under a youth pastor who would quickly come under a lot of scrutiny because he and his family didn't resemble what the leadership thought what a proper pastor household should look like. And after a couple of years serving under him, I would later be promoted to um, the youth pastor position. I would like to make a moment to criticize this decision to promote me to youth pastor. Yeah. I shouldn't have been a youth pastor. No, I agree. (laughs) Guys, I didn't have a theological degree.
0: Didn't have any degree it's
1: true. Um granted, I was raised in the church. Um and I I understand the mentality was well he's served in the church, he's given so much to the church, his dad is a pastor, all these different things. Looking back at it, that that I just shouldn't
0: have. Should not have happened.
1: Um so when I first started, I was given a fair amount of leeway in how I ran the ministry and how I wanted the youth to function. But over time, rather as leadership grasped on harder onto their fundam- fundamentalism and or as I fell out of favor with the leadership, my opinion and influence would diminish. And to be honest, I wasn't sure where to start or how to do this without turning it into a three-hour episode. So here are a few things I saw uh, within our church that I would begin to recognize as not only horrible leadership, but also spiritual abuse. Um, now, leadership, mind you, I'm not just saying this because I feel like I was wronged, okay? I'm not saying this because I feel like me personally, I was wrong. There's actually a long list of people who had been, and some who still are, are being mistreated. In fact, most of my frustration within the last couple of years of my employment was about the mistreatment of others because at that point, I was kind of ignored.
0: Yeah, you're kind of left on your own to do your own thing.
1: I really was. They didn't care about me. Anytime they wanted to talk to me, they used a middleman. Yep. That's what it came down to. So even if you are a Bible-affirming Christian who is an evangelical, here are my core reasons why I believe my church was the epitome of what is going wrong for the American church. Number one, and here's—I'll just give you the three reasons right off the bat. I'll go into it in detail. Uh, number one, it was influence-based. Number two, it was money-attendance-driven. And number three, it was authority-focused.
0: Now I'm I'm going to jump in on your influence-based thing real quick because I was telling my dad recently about your church um because he knew a few of the people that are now in powers of, uh, positions of power and I mentioned that hey the one of the guys in leadership is this guy's friend and my dad just right off the bat was like oh you mean this guy oh. <laughs> My dad doesn't even live in the country anymore <laughs> and he knew exactly who I was talking about before I brought up any names yeah. and he was like oh that's an interesting choice. Yeah. I was like, all right, well, there you go.
1: Now, before I move on here, because I realize I'm getting a little louder, I'm getting a little bit more emotional. Um, I recognize that. I recognize that I'm getting a little more emotional. This, look, the person that I would address this to if I wanted to is not going to be listening to this episode. That's fair. And this is not, it, this might, this could be me ranting a little bit. But again, this whole point of this series is to let others know that if you're in these situations, you're not alone. And I'm trying to, the reason why we're listing all these things out is so that way we can maybe possibly let someone know who experiences maybe just one of these things. So, a reason why I believe this was the epitome of what was going wrong with the American church, influence-based. The leadership worshipped the opinions of those they liked and no one else. There right. were too many times to count of times where people within the staff would bring up ideas or opinions to the table that were ignored or yet once they heard the ideas from a long – let me start over. They might have heard it. They ignored it. But then once it was brought up from one of their favorite pastors, their favorite churches, then, ho, oh, it was the holy grail of ideas.
0: Right. It's like uh, watching Timon and Pumbaa. What if he was on our side? Now that's a dumb idea. But wait a minute. What if he was on our side? <laughs> Um, also, within the
1: topic of influence, most ideas that seem strange, often coming from the younger people on the staff, would widely be dismissed until, again, it would be suggested from a megachurch leader that they liked. Um, and I could spend a whole episode about that. Um, but Next on, money and attendance driven. This is just as simple as it sounds. The goal of our leadership was to bring in the money. In fact, if you were to look at the trend of the church over the years, you could plainly see what we recognize within over time was the church was pampering to local government or community leaders to entice them to come to our church to bring in their tithe. Mm-hmm. Remember earlier I mentioned Pastor Reg and where he spent his time. Yep, with you know the community, the homeless,
0: the poor, the kind yeah. of thing. Opposite for this this church.
1: In fact, I'd actually heard on numerous accounts from various people who had higher standards with leadership, or excuse me, higher standing with leadership, that this was the goal of our leadership. The mindset? More money allows us to save more souls.
0: But when is it enough money?
1: And there goes in the problem. It's never enough.
0: Like it, it just- Obviously, you want to save as many souls as possible. You know, That's kind of the whole goal of Christianity in a nutshell when it comes to them. But... Isn't one enough? Isn't two enough? Like, why do you need to focus on getting more money to save more souls? How about you just focus on the souls and use the money that you're given? That's the whole principle of tithing. That's the whole principle of the 99 sheep versus the one with the shepherd. Like, he'll leave the 99 to go after the one that needs help. Right.
1: Yep. So, by far, the focus and what would end up being the excuse for my departure was numbers. How many butts can we get in the seats? The metrics were all about tithe giving families. Mm-hmm. In a couple of years into my position as youth pastor, where I still had some kind of uh, leeway or some kind of what's um, sort of for favor, uh, we all went to Gateway Church to find a new direction and focus for our church. And given that our leadership was very set in their ways um, and known and known only as really enforcing ideas that benefited older mindsets it came as it came to me as a surprise that when we just, when we chose a new lead pin which is essentially the first group of people we wanted to attract to the church we labeled them as the young professionals with families and kids now that might sound somewhat kind of cool like hey cool so we're reaching out to millennials with families and kids and you know that kind of thing that's that's nice And and it sounded nice at first, but here's what happened is over time, as we thought we were going to be asked as millennials for our ideas about how to attract said millennials, our ideas got shut down. Oh, yeah. One after another, it became apparent that the intention wasn't to attract the young families with kids. It was to attract the young professionals with money.
0: Yep. I saw that coming from a mile away.
1: At the point of my departure, only a few things have been allowed to change due in large part to things being called out within the staff. Look, you can look at the trends. I, I could, I could, I could, if you were to have a conversation with me about, I could show you our budget and how that looked like and how, how it resembled this logic. But here's the last thing. Authority focused. And I cannot overstate this. Everything, every single thing was about blind obedience to authority. Yeah. Any talk about leadership was considered demonic in forms of witchcraft. They may not have said that, but with the scripture they were quoting, it sure did sound like it.
0: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, was it rebellion is as of witchcraft?
1: Come on. So leadership would hide, hide behind their title as an excuse to, to diminish others' opinions or thoughts about how they were really uh, how they really were within the staff. And I'll share this one story. And this is Okay, so this is around the time of my deconstruction where I still believed that um, homosexuality was wrong. Uh, I was questioning it, um, but at this point in time, I, I I did believe that the church was handling it wrong for sure. Like I knew that we were not handling it wrong. And at this time, um, our leadership decided to go into a series about hard topics, and uh, one of those topics was going to be about LGBTQ+. Um and the leadership had asked me to preach a message about it, particularly this message. wasn't everything else in the series, but especially this one. And so within that, um, I, I knew it was coming. And so I had shared with leaders or leaders that served in the youth ministry, like, hey, you know, there's a series coming up. I'm thinking about trying to um, do it differently, trying to do it in more small groups. So that way we can at least have conversations with people about it. So that way we could not just me be on a microphone telling you what's right and wrong, but rather just have a conversation more more direct that was my that was it well, well what would happen was I would get called into a meeting with my father who was technically my boss and um, the leadership and I would be questioned as to one did I think homosexuality was wrong and number two why I was trying to essentially uh, refuse doing what the pastor wanted so I decided, and, and, and knowing where, where this was coming in, I, I brought in a passage of Scripture, and it was in 1 Corinthians 9, and basically it was showing how Paul was changing his methods depending on who he was talking to. And my point was, like, look, if you want me to preach this, I'll be obedient, I'll preach this to them, but I, I'd like to change it up to, you know, to, to make it easier for young ears to hear, to, yeah. to, to, to relate better, to allow them to be a part of the conversation. And essentially, it didn't matter. them nope they 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 wanted wanted that fire
0: and brimstone they wanted it their way you're going to hell
1: what what i heard was i just need you to know that you'll do what i ask Mm. my experience didn't matter my expertise didn't matter
0: the fact that you know these kids on a personal level doesn't matter
1: my intentions didn't matter and fair point the bible didn't matter at this point nope I could go on and on regarding the many issues of leadership within this church. Women pastors like my mother were only given title, but no real authority. Only the boys had a special place refurbished to be a launching point to go out hunting and rock climbing, exaggerating attendance numbers, employees being forced to sign non disparagement agreement after being fired to to receive a severance package conversations with staff members about not tithing and a lot more, but I'll end with my ultimatum. Um, But before I do that, I want to acknowledge that not everything in my church experience was bad. I know, obviously, (laughs) i kind of come across a little heated here. But there were people who were amazing, incredible leaders like Michael Miller and Sarah Wrench. People who genuinely cared about people like Michelle Miller, Melissa Lucas, Carlos Hernandez. Creatives who gave all to their work even when it was often rejected like Robert Edwards and Jordan Bailey. Pastors that loved me and my family like Mike and Vivian and people like my assistants, Charlene and Misty, who worked far more hours than they ever should have. And people like Tim and Kyra Jude and Aaron Tucker who served loyally and who, who stood up for character. And so many volunteers that served alongside me that were incredible human beings who gave up so much of their time and energy to love teenagers who often didn't even care. And those that held on as long as they could because the church was family. Like my parents. What came down for me leaving Grace, um, I knew that I didn't want to be there for a while. Um, but as we mentioned in the last episode, when it comes to deconstruction, it's hard. It's hard leaving. Yeah. You grew up with this family that you created, with people that you care about, kids that love, people that love your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sealed the deal regarding my intentions on employment at this church um, essentially started with how my parents were treated. Um, my dad, who made the children's ministry what it was and made it flourish, and what I would argue was the reason why the church got so big, um, his opinions didn't matter to anymore to a certain point right um, he He and my mother, like I mentioned before, my mother was a pastor by title only really. Um, and the list goes on. Um, essentially what happened was towards the end of the year, last year, um, they, they were, they went to gateway again cause they are the holy, the holy people. Um, and essentially they, they were told that they should make a, um, make a list of people that they felt like maybe didn't belong there, or maybe just maybe need to figure out where they need to go. And I was one of those people. And so they gave us a test to take that would essentially, we would decide you know, the test essentially helps you trying to figure out where you want to go in life. And the intentions it could be good if, if not for the situation, uh, if it were not to actually try to get someone
0: out of the position. To get you out of where you, where you are.
1: And essentially it would help you rather, okay, do you belong in this position? If so, if that was the, the, the test result, if yes, you still want to be in this position, well, then you have six months to change and to meet our goals and expectations. If not, we'll help you find another place to go. Right. or if it doesn't, if the test shows that you don't want to be in this position or you, you feel like you're going a different direction, we'll still help you figure out a new place it's to go. It's basically
0: to get you to quit so they don't have to fire you.
1: Yeah. So, I chose. Um, They're, granted, 100%, Chris was the one who helped me get out of there. Um, gave me an opportunity to work somewhere that was not Toxic, <laughs> um, and uh, even though I'm I'm not currently employed there for my own choice, um, I'm extremely grateful, and I've told her this many times. And I felt, you know, it, this was it sucked to, to leave the way I did. Granted, it's COVID, so we couldn't like celebrate and do the things that we would do otherwise. Um, but man, I, I've been at this church since 2004 grown up in it, served in it, had kids, became youth pastor, all these different things. I'm not I didn't leave because I was just mad. In fact, I'd given up my anger about a year before my quitting because it was consuming us. Um we left because it was unhealthy. We left because this was the epitome of what we had seen from the rest of the American church, that this is not right here. Mm-hmm. we started beautiful friendships we started great things but we, we knew that we had to get out and so we did and that is my church experience mm.
0: there's so much there to unpack um, yeah man I, I understand that's oof Okay, sorry, I'm trying not to cry over here like, <laughs> like the the thing is i I was there with you through these conversations, through these topics through through you having to preach on subjects that you didn't necessarily agree with just because they said so, yeah, I remember having these conversations with you at which point I was already a pretty good way into my deconstruction and I was ready to fight anybody. (laughs) I'm still ready to fight. Look, if you are listening to this, just to crap on Tim, come at me. (laughs) I'll give you my address. You pull up to my house. We'll fight. Like (laughs) I'm not down with watching my best friend be abused. And I had to for a long time. Obviously you're not like being beaten by your, your head pastor, but aren't you like, aren't you though? Spiritually? Like it takes, I'd say arguably more of a toll than almost any other kind of abuse because spiritual abuse doesn't just attack your body or your finances like it's every aspect of who you are as a person cuz they raise you to believe that everything you do do it as you do unto the lord so you're giving your time, your money, your effort, your body, your soul basically to this organization and sometimes they can just really misuse you misuse it.
1: Now, no, I I do want to say, I didn't write this down, but again, just like everything else, it's not as simple as even what I just told. Um, we had great experiences at this church. Yeah. We, we had blessings in The fact that I had a job that was able to provide for me and my family, I was extremely grateful. I still am. I, looking back, I think not one, not just one, I shouldn't have been hired, but number two, we were definitely paid way too much. Um, but I am grateful for that. I'm grateful I don't for giving get that paid enough. <laughs> I'm grateful that I was given the opportunity, um, and the reason why I stuck out so long is because I felt like I was under my own obligation to leave the youth ministry with it being better than how I got it. right and unfortunately, um, and not to make excuses, but I just felt like I couldn't get there with what was given to me um there, there was too many... The price wasn't worth it.
0: Yeah. Um, I get that fully.
1: So... Did you have anything you want to share with your church experience?
0: Yeah. Um, actually, I do. So my church experience was somewhat similar. Um, obviously, like I said, I wasn't a youth pastor, and my parents were not pastors. But... The church you finished at was the church I started at. Yeah. So when I was about, I want to say three-ish, two or three years old, uh, my family moved to Killeen, Texas, and we started going to that same church, Grace Christian Center. Um, I remember very fondly so many of the people that I interacted with, be they pastors or not, um it was for all intents and purposes a great church yeah yeah um i went to elementary school at the academy that they had i met a lot of my friends there i i have great formative memories i learned a lot about the bible and about god who he is who he truly is yeah um it was a mostly positive experience and that's the weird thing. Like most people that are deconstructing, you only hear the negatives, the, yeah. the horrible things that they dealt with, the abuses, all of that you stuff. See,
1: you see the one minute TikTok videos, and
0: yeah, yeah. But like my experience in church overall was really, really good. Like I, I really lucked out. Yeah, my experience. Um, I remember there was a. I guess she's older now. If she's even still alive, I don't know, Miss Betty. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Asian lady. Oh. Not Lucas. Is it a different lady. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it, she was uh, really nice to me. Uh, Miss Bourne, I remember. Miss Bourne was really cool. Uh, Miss Ross, I know she passed away recently. Yeah. Um, all kinds of really cool people helped raise me with what I would, church or not, I would say are good morals, good values. Um, I I was, like I mentioned in the last week's episode, I was on the some of the ministry teams that we had worked with starting in, like, first grade. Like, mm. I was on the puppet team. I was on the, the first graders <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, praise team and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, memory verse challenges. Like, we did all kinds of really events I was always part of setting that stuff up helping the other kids and anything that they needed um my family did a lot of volunteering so any kind of uh outreach that the church had going on we were there Thanksgiving meal giveaways and uh, Christmas toy drives and um, Easter egg hunts for the community like we were always doing that type of stuff yeah Um, Going through youth group, um, like you mentioned earlier, Pastor Daryl was probably one of the most formative people in my life. Um, Got me through a lot of issues that I had personally. um, Helped me find ways to what I now know as deconstruction. But (laughs) Then was just to explain why I believe what I believe and to learn a little bit more about the in-depth reasonings behind it. Uh, to connect better with God, because like I said, I do remember that night um, watching Pastor Daryl just lose himself in worship. Um, like that—that that still sticks out in my mind. Yeah. Um, because it—it it was a father that lost his son connecting to a father that lost his son. Oof. Like he was, he understood better than anybody else in that room at that moment. What God went through when Jesus gave himself to the cross. And you can see he was mad. He was hurt. He was confused. But he also wasn't taking it out on God. Yeah. And that, because of that experience, I think that's how I handled my entire deconstruction. Because I did receive some abuses that were systemic and things like that I have reason to be hurt um for example I'm sure you went to many like healing nights where they called in mm. evangelical pastors from other churches or like touring pastors or yeah. evangelists is what they are right where they come into your church and they do like one one service and then everybody gives them a bunch of money and then they just go off to the next church and do the same thing. Yeah. Um. Those are like the healing sermons usually, where they come in and they pray over you, and they're like, "Oh, if anybody has this issue, come on down to the altar, and we'll pray over you, and we'll get this issue fixed." Uh, for those of you that don't know, I am type one diabetic, which occurred when I was five years old. I had a bad reaction to the varicella vaccine, which is the chickenpox shot, where I ended up in the hospital. I got chickenpox anyway, which is the thing that pisses me off the most (laughs) Um, and then I got diabetes because the chickenpox vaccine looks a lot like an enzyme that your pancreas produces so it caused my Uh, white blood cells to attack the vaccine and then that enzyme and then eventually it killed my pancreas
1: Wow!
0: so it's in my body it's just useless Yeah. Uh, so I am completely insulin dependent type 1 diabetic have been since I was 5 years old and I cannot tell you how many times I went down to the altar to pray that God would take away my diabetes. And they were always like, well, you know, if you just have enough faith, then God can do anything. If you give yourself to God enough, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, then God can do anything. I did all of those things. Yeah. I was at the church all the time. I believed with all of my heart. I gave so much of myself, so much of my time, my effort, my money, everything to these pastors and these churches that said, if I only did this, I would be healed. Mm. And I don't think they realize how damaging it is. And if they realize they don't care, Yeah, which is, uh, it's it's really hard to to bring up to say things like that to really anyone, but specifically to these churches. These are the kinds of abuses that people deal with, in the data in their day-to-day lives. And when you're on staff at a church, it's easy to get lost in the work and not connect to the people. But as a volunteer, my whole job was to be the middleman between the church staff and the people. Yeah. So I'm living my story, also hearing all of these other people's stories and then just seeing churches not care about it, like as I got older as I got into the different ministries, seeing it not be handled, not be dealt with, seeing people losing their faith because of situations that I just can't seem to get away from myself. And I'm just like, well, maybe their faith just wasn't strong enough, you know? Maybe if I'm a little bit stronger, I won't lose my faith. And now I realize it's because they were reacting to abuses. Yeah. Um sorry, that was a huge tangent. Um Going from the youth group to my new church, we'll we'll start there. So at one point after Pastor Darrell left, um, there was another pastor that took over, Pastor Eric, uh, that personally I had no problems with, but my mom was his ex-wife's best friend at the time, and my mom had problems with him being in leadership. So she took it to your church's leadership at that time, who was— uh, pastor Terry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and essentially she gave them an ultimatum that was like, well, if you don't fire him, we're leaving. And I mean, they'd already made the decision as a church to have him as a pastor. They can't backtrack that for one, one family. And we're not even like a rich family. So it's not like we were bringing in (laughs) millions and millions of dollars. Uh, so we ended up leaving the church or what I was always told is kicked out. So it, (laughs) I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah. It could have gone one way or the other. I'd see both stories happening truthfully. Um, so I was not allowed to go to that church anymore by the church or by my parents. doesn't matter. Uh, so we started going to a new church, Faith Point, where I met my lovely wife. And I also had all kinds of positive experiences. Um, I became real close friends with the head pastor's son, Corbett. Um, we went to school together. He was a real cool dude. Um, I know that guy. Yeah, that's a cool guy. <laughs> um so I met my wife, met my future in laws and all of that. Uh built some really strong friendships that still to this day I talk to these people. We interact. Um this church is where I was technically not on staff, but I was the youth director. I was running the
1: uh You're giving you're giving the energy of a youth pastor without getting paid as a youth pastor. Exactly. There
0: yeah. Uh so again, being taken advantage of without realizing I was being taken advantage of because yeah. I was volunteering my services and my time. Um, I don't regret doing any of that. I regret some of the things that I told some people, some of the sermons I taught, some of the different things that I believed at the time, but I don't regret giving my energy or time to the kingdom of God. Yeah, Maybe specifically that church, but not the kingdom of God. Um, that church, like I mentioned in the last episode, had a close working relationship with a group called Master's Commission uh, USA, which is technically a cult. Um, (laughs) It's a a next-level discipleship program is what it technically is called, uh, where basically anyone who is out of high school can go, and they have age limits and all kinds of things like that. It's specifically for young adults. But you can go and be immersed in church leadership in Christianity and the kingdom of God is what they teach. Um, so you're learning basically how to run a church, how to run a Christian college, how to be a minister. You take college courses through a non-accredited college, which is why my degree is useless. (laughs) Um, you learn discipleship. You go into end up study of the Bible. You have to memorize like 250 scriptures. Um, 250? No, I think it's 500 actually. 500 um, verses, and they can be consecutive or not, doesn't matter. But you have to memorize the Bible basically, which yeah. I still have my little notebook where I kept all of my verses and everything written out so I could easily read and remember and all that stuff. Uh, we did an, literally an hour of prayer every day, and again, I had a really positive experience, which you don't hear a lot of when you're reading the stories that come out yeah. of this program. Um, I just I attribute that to God protecting me and who I am because he knew if I did have a negative experience, I could go far left. Cause I've had a lot of negative experiences. Yeah. Like growing up, my mom used to spank me to scripture. Like she would read me a Bible verse and then spank me when I did something wrong.
1: Oh Jesus.
0: So like, it's amazing that I still believe in God. Um, Golly. my wife always says that, like, I'm so amazed that you still <laughs> pray, like that you still <laughs> listen to worship. I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, so, I memorized 500 uh, verses. I wrote spoken word poetry for this program. I wrote some worship music, and I did the leadership programs that they put in place. I did the worship team. I was, I literally led thousands of people in worship sessions all the time. Yeah, like I was on stage with the rest of the worship team, just leading thousands of people at any given moment. They were like, "Hey." You got worship tonight. Three songs. Go, go, go. So we just, okay, cool. And that was like a normal thing for us. Yep. Hour in prayer, in and out of season, we were ready to serve. Um, like to this day, you can hand me any object and I can preach a sermon on it. Uh, that's one of my favorite yeah. favorite things we did. Looking back on it, hella creepy. <laughs> uh, but they would just hand us, They like throw us a candy bar and be like, hey, preach a sermon on this Snickers. <laughs> and you're like, well, I'm sure you guys understand, you know, when you're, when you're with God, you're full <laughs> but when you're not with God, your body is, em- your soul is empty. So you're hungry. You're hungry for the <laughs> bread of life. And as Snickers says, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> like off the off the cuff. I just did yeah. that right there so you can see. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like we were, we were like touring, doing uh, evangelism tours ourselves. I was praying over people that needed healing, knowing in myself that I also still needed healing. Yeah. But maybe if I can pray for someone else, then that will reflect back on me and I'll get my healing eventually. Um, another one of those abusive thoughts that just kind of locks in. Um, this, this uh, master's commission ministry, again, if you have a positive experience through it is really growing because I did spend an hour in honest prayer every day and, my hour in prayer was truly with God. It wasn't for anyone else. Right. I, I spent time with God. I spent time reading my Bible. Was that a genuine Out of Genuine desire to grow closer to God, to understand his word and understand who he is and who he needs me to be. Um, All of that really gave me an in-depth view on who Jesus Christ is. And again, that was probably when my biggest push of deconstruction started because I noticed like, The church isn't who Jesus is, even though that's what we're supposed to be. Um, I watched a couple of churches rise and fall in my short time at Master's Commission. Like, I saw churches start. I saw churches collapse. I saw people fall apart. Uh, Master's Commission had to leave the church they were at due to money issues. Like, the church couldn't support Master's Commission and the church. So, Master's Commission had to move on to a different church. And all kinds of craziness aside... Um, my experience with the church overall, I would still say to this day was positive. Yeah. Like obviously they took advantage of me, my time, my efforts, um, my money for sure. And all of that big thing, but overall positive experience. So when I left master's commission, I went back to the church that I was with. Um, I met my wife at faith point. Um, That was when we were put in charge of the youth group. Like, officially, we were in charge of the middle school ministry. Um, Her brother, who is an actual pastor, also went through Master's Commission. Um, I'm sure he'll tell you similar things. Like, it was absolutely culty, but he had positive experiences. (laughs) Um, He was the actual youth pastor, and we were, like, under him for the middle school ministry. Like, we led them as different youth groups, but it was all under the youth banner. Um. Eventually, we got to a point where we stopped meeting at the church building that we had because we were building a new church. Uh, We had sold the property, used that money to start building the new building in a different location, Um, and we got put on different teams for that. That was really an interesting experience, not positive or negative, just interesting. Um, And then we started seeing, you know, there was a, a dip in tithing. At the church, so, because the people that were supposed to be tied, like the big ministers there, didn't agree with the selling of the property, so there was a big split at the Mm. church, and, you know, anytime there's a split, whatever side you stick with seems like the right side in your head, so, you know, they were like, oh, well, we split because that's what God wanted, we need to lose some dead weight, and now we're better than ever, which... I mean, sure, we just sold the property for millions of dollars. and Obviously, we're better than ever. Yeah. Um, so we ended up staying at that church for a while. Um, but a lot of things that didn't affect me directly, I started seeing, um, like, Janelle's family was being taken advantage of and being really hurt by leadership at the church. Um, some people that I was friends with also said the same thing, like, they're being abused, being ignored, being hurt, those kinds of things. And it really bothered me that nothing was being done about it. Uh, The biggest push for us was when Josh, uh, Janelle's brother, stepped down from being the youth pastor. Um, His reasons are his own. I'm not going to speak for him, but he stepped down from being the youth pastor and stopped going to the church at the same time. And this was during COVID, so Janelle and I were uh, already not physically at the church because they had stopped doing in-person sermons and things like that. Not once did any of the pastors reach out to us, though. Like, I had been there for years. We got married in that church building, Janelle and I. Um, we'd, We'd been working with them. We'd done everything with them but they felt i guess as soon as josh left that nobody in josh's family was any longer part of their problem or their solution yeah. they just completely ghosted us to this day i've only heard from one of the pastors and that is the head pastor's son and that's because we were friends yeah um so i i don't know um since then we've been on our deconstruction journey and I always joke with Tim, you know, I'll take any opportunity I can to crap on a church. (laughs) Um, But the truth is I don't hold ill will towards churches. I just want them to be what they're supposed to be. I want them to be who they say they are. Yeah. Not who they actually are. Right. Like, again, you can acknowledge Jesus with your lips and walk out the door and then deny him by your lifestyle. Like that's, what I've noticed in a lot of churches and even when it is unintentional, when the pastors aren't like thinking that that's what they're doing, that's what they're doing. Right. And they're hurting people that way. And I want to make sure that the people that I interact with understand that I have a good amount of biblical knowledge. If you want to ask me questions, I can talk you through the topics I understand and I can put you in directions to get knowledge on the topics I don't. I don't I don't want to say that I can be a church. I can just give you knowledge, but I do want to be a safe place. Right. for questions, for conversations, for people that just want to talk and need to be heard. I want to do the job of the church because that's what Jesus called us to do. Yeah. on our own personal lives and as an actual church, we're supposed to feed the homeless feed feed the hungry house the homeless take care of the widows and the children uh, support our brothers support our sisters be there for everyone be a community and show love god said or jesus said that the two most important commandments are to love god as to love god first and foremost and to love your neighbors as yourself and i've not seen that in the church yeah which is why i no longer attend church um i it Obviously, if I found a church that did that, I would absolutely love to be there. Yeah, I'm not saying all churches are bad. I just don't have access to one that I believe is doing what a church should do. Yeah, so that's that's my church experience in a nutshell. Yeah, so it's good, man. Yeah,
1: you know the hubris of the American church, they, where where they believe Astounding. that it, they believe that. What we have now is what the church was two thousand years ago, and it's. I'm not even talking about the moral corruption that it is today, but I'm just talking about physically what it was two thousand years ago.
0: Not even close. Yeah, not even close. It, it, it's. They met in people's houses. They avoid getting stoned. Yeah, that was it.
1: And and, and I'm not saying that's means that's how it should be or that's how it should be stuck in, but my point is that there's this mindset that this is how it's always been. And that is so far from the truth. Oh, absolutely! You look at the two thousand year of the church with the capital C. It has never looked like how it is in the past forty years. Nope. Um, and so I, I, the these reason-
0: traditional values are actually the newest values. Yes. Like the concept of hell. Let's just talk about that for a second. Oh, the concept of hell is fairly recent. Yep. Like yep. it. It is not as old. Like. No. The no. Jews that started the church didn't believe in hell. No. No. And trust me, I have a whole segment about oh, we'll that on there. the Bible. We'll get there. I'm just saying, like, for <laughs> the sake of argument, like, yeah. the traditional values you thought were the traditional values of the Christian church weren't even a thing until recently.
1: Guys, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I, I can't— I'm, again, I'm almost done, but I cannot recommend enough this book, Jesus and John Wayne. Um, it It is about how— the Christian, Amer- the American Christian Church, is now it, it shows how it is now entwined with the Republican Party, right? And I'm not saying everything on the Republican Party is wrong. I, there's still things that, again, that I sort of kind of agree with.
0: Uh, I think I'm on like two percent of what they say, but
1: my my point is though is I'm not saying that's inherently evil or wrong or whatever. My point is is that they will blindly follow that platform. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and. Th- this book really depicts how it got there, and it was done within the last hundred years. Oh, yeah. It, it, this it, These these platforms, these theologies, these, these mindsets hasn't been the mantra of what is now the American church for thousands of years. It's very recent. Um, and now, to what Chris was saying um, at the very last part about not going to church, uh, I would agree with him. Uh, there's not a church um, that I can think of that— I mean, there's very few— um, that I'd be super like, yeah, I want to go to. And there are some that I found online that I'm actually going to put in the sh- the, the show notes because I mean, granted, they're they're elsewhere, but they're good churches to follow yeah, if you, yeah. if you feel like you've been hurt by the church and you but you still want to be somewhat involved.
0: I do that. Like I follow uh, pastors and churches on TikTok, and I'll listen to their podcasts. I'll yeah. listen to their sermons online. Uh, but physically in our area, it's hard to find those. Right. We are in the South
1: and, and and let me say this guys this is coming from someone who has uh, I guess all of us in a way, we've lived we've been brought up in the church if you still even if you don't even agree with everything we've said so far in the series, it is still okay for you to take a break from church. yeah guys, it's been a hell of a year 2019, 2020 has sucked. And in many, many ways, it's okay to not feel obligated to go to church. that's okay. you can take a mental break. Your church will be fine without you. your pastor will be fine without you. you if you need that time, take that time. unless you're
0: the pastor, in which case, just take a sabbatical. <laughs> it's
1: the same thing. <sighs> Guys, we got a few more things to say, but we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll finish up this conversation..
0: We are back, guys. Thank you so much for sticking with us. If you have, if you haven't, uh, we'll see you in another episode. I'm sure. (laughs) Come crap on us in our comment section. There you go. Um, Yeah, so I think we'll just get back into it. So here's some of the things that we have or that we are deconstructing from within the church or things that we've seen that are wrong that are not on a large scale being addressed or fixed. Right.
1: And and some of these things are things that we didn't firsthand witness. And that's the whole part behind deconstruction, at least on my end, is like a lot of it, dude, I'm a white male. I I have it easy. Straight white male. And so it's important that I listen to people who are not like me because they might be experiencing things that I'm not experiencing. So like like we've been saying this whole episode, we had pretty decent church upbringings, like for the most part. Right, right. But that doesn't mean that there weren't people who didn't have that kind of stuff, who didn't have a positive experience through church. And so that's what's angered people like Chris and I, where we just go, okay, I want to speak up for these people. And I want to address it because the church is not doing it on a a large scale. It's
0: like I was fine when I realized, you know, well, this was wrong, this was wrong, and this was wrong, and how it affected me. But when I started realizing that it was other people being hurt, I think— That is part of Christianity. Like even with Jesus, like you can abuse him all day long. Yeah. But when you start hurting his his disciples or his his flock, yeah, that's when he really got upset. Same with me. Like you can abuse me all day long. I don't care. I'm still gonna do what I got to do for the kingdom of God. But when I noticed that it was other people on a mass scale being hurt so badly by the church, that's when I started my journey. Right. Yeah.
1: So we're gonna talk about a few. Rather topics or quotes that we just want to first share, and, and that is accountability and cover-ups. Mm. If you haven't seen these things, then I will say you are proving a point that. And, I, and now, let me say I have been a part of that problem, so this is not me like condemning anyone here. Um, but we are only shown what we feel like fits within our agenda. What has been seen within the SBC, the Southern Baptist uh, Convention uh, Church, and Catholic Church shows just how much Christians are willing to defend their own or hide the truth for the sake of pre- preserving the good that has been done.
0: My favorite thing is that Protestants will make fun of Catholics and Catholic priests. You know they make oh, they make yeah. all those jokes like not realizing they are also Christians. Yeah, Catholics yeah. are Christians. They worship differently, but they're Christians. Yeah, it's all part of the same church.
1: We, we have been seeing time and time again leadership within the church ignoring or downplaying cases of abuse when it comes to Black Lives Matter, when it comes to uh, physical sexual abuse within the church. Guys, I, I, can't, I can't actually count how many times I've ever heard it mentioned in our church. I, I, I can't. I, I can't think of times where our church has gone, hey, you know what, um, this happened elsewhere, this is wrong. Very few times. Very few times. Um, and and I think a lot of this revolves around this mentality too because it's really a toxic leadership that this comes down from. And it comes from this scripture that we were told constantly when being told not to talk about our bad leaders, and that was from Matthew 18. And it's basically... Um, Essentially, it's like a, a an order on how you should approach problems within the church, and essentially it goes like: uh, bring someone with you. If that doesn't work, bring two other people with you. If that doesn't work, bring it to the church. No church actually goes through with that. That that line of logic, that verse, is used as a shield to make sure that your congregation, your staff, or whoever isn't talking badly behind you behind your back as an excuse of gossip or yeah. whatever. No, I'm sorry. Some people are just scared because you might fire them.
0: Yeah, They're, simple as that. There's the one that they also use. Uh, for politicians like all authority is god given and blah blah like that's not what that meant man no you know that's not what it meant
1: so like okay for example um just recently i I mentioned the the rise and fall of mars hill um with mark driscoll he now has a new church in phoenix i don't know if you knew this and this just came out i did not know that he he just came out that he has been rating church members on a scale of one to ten based on loyalty he hired an inv- investigator to spy on a teenager, uh, t- a, teen- a teenage boy's family who kissed his daughter. And he has everyone on church property under 24 7 surveillance. Guys.
0: <laughs> so I'm not surprised, but it's one of those like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right.
1: He shouldn't be allowed to pass. Now, granted, you, you can go like, well, look, people are following him. Sure, granted.
0: People but, also followed, uh, what was his name, Jeff Jeff Jones? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the guy, the Kool-Aid guy. Mm-hmm. Not the actual Kool-Aid man, but the guy <laughs> that killed a bunch of people with Kool-Aid.
1: But this is what we're talking about, and this is just scratching the surface because we don't have time to go into all the different cases and stuff, but it's just not being addressed. Right. It's just not.
0: Let's move on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. So the next quote that we want to come up against we're not all like this
1: okay so i I, i know i i um your favorite heretics is a it's a it's a couple i forgot their names i feel really bad for not remembering but they 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 brought up an analogy the person says i'm sorry you went through this but not every fellowship is like this please don't lump them all into this the heretic says i will lump them all together until accountability in the institution is normal and not an anomaly The person. Again, not all fellowships are like this. You shouldn't judge them all just because you had a bad experience. Heretic. This comment displays Christian fragility. Not all churches equals not all men. How about churches shouldn't abuse instead of you shouldn't judge? You're demonizing the victim instead of holding the institution accountable. Oh, yeah. Exactly the way church institution has been training their followers.
0: End quote. Okay, so the way I like to explain this is like food allergies. So if you have a baby and you give your baby a peanut and your baby swells up like a balloon, obviously not all foods are going to do that. But are you not going to be wary the next time you give your baby a new food? Yeah. Like, maybe my baby is allergic to cashews too. Maybe walnuts. Like, I'm just going to, until I can figure out what it is, I'm going to be very cautious about this. Yeah. Same thing with this.
1: Well, and even just, I know we're going to have a whole episode about this, but even concerning race, like, guys, I'm a white male, and granted, I have definitely been a part of the problem and still to a certain degree am, but I am now at least aware of the problem and will address said problems, whether it's within myself, which I still have to do because of how I was raised and systemic things I was brought up with, but also within others. That's a response that I am want to take. Does that mean I'm a horrible human piece of trash? No. Does that mean that all white people are trash? No, obviously not. But but my point is that I'm now at least want to take the responsibility to address said wrong things. Right. Um see usually what happens when we when when someone blames a church or the church the first gut reaction from many Christians is to pull the don't judge it's not ever not ever work card. But even if it was only like 5% of the churches who are now showing toxic behavior, this is not how you talk to people who have been abused. Oh, for sure. Just it's the same rhetoric when it's when it comes to abuse from men. You don't say that to women. You you just don't. That's it's so psychologically, emotionally, spiritually
0: wrong. And the people that are the well, not all men, not all churches. Those are the people to watch out for. Yeah, because like the ones that actually aren't, we know it's not all men and not all churches. So we don't want to perpetuate that problem.
1: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say one last thing regarding this. Bottom line is that there is an, there's enough that of these cases that people are leaving the church. We have that evidence. It's not like we're just making this up and like whatever. No, people are leaving the church for a reason. Not because they're hearing stories, because they're experiencing their own. There are enough churches like this that people are simply not going to church and yet holding on to some level of faith. And hear me out. If love conquers all, then the church hasn't been loving enough.
0: Boom. Next one up, please. Let's reconstruct slash deconstruct the right way. <laughs> Bro, like, I, 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 just, don't, I don't think you understand what deconstruction is if you think there's one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. And every other way is wrong. <laughs> it, it's it's the same mentality. Like, it's blind privilege.
1: Yeah. Out of the 45,000 denominations, your way is the right way. Yeah. It's the same, same thought. That's
0: exactly what it is. That's <laughs> That's just, it's ridiculous to even say that.
1: I'm not even going to comment anymore. I think it's just silly and
0: yeah. There's no re- there's no reason <laughs> to go any further than that. You know what you're saying. You know it's ridiculous. Uh, oh my god. Um, I think we're, I think we're coming to an end here. I think so. We're getting pretty close.
1: Um, Chris, I'll let you continue on here if you want, or you want me to do it. I let's let's have you do it. So, so my experience at this church, particularly, it didn't cause me to deconstruct. It, it, it wasn't like—because I, I can imagine it now. Like, people are like, okay, so you had a bad experience. Your leader treated you bad. That doesn't mean you should walk away from the faith. That doesn't mean you should think this way about First the Bible. First off,
0: we're not walking away from the faith.
1: <laughs> but even if I was, it the, the point is, is that it, it did allow me to open my eyes to the fallacy within our walls, and just as importantly, outside of it. Um, at the bare minimum, even if you believe that it's the culture that is turning everyone around and that it's the world's fault— how we as a church, you as the church, are responding is not working. right, it, Guys, it's, it's, it's the literal definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. It's not working. There are so many times that it just baffled me when we brought up ideas to the church of like, hey, we should do it this way or this way. Like, nah, just keep doing it this way. If you want to see a transformation, if you want to see a change in people's lives for Jesus, you need to take these issues seriously. People are tired of seeing excess in the church. Think of like preachers in sneakers and how conservative evangelicals are always blaming leftist agendas for Hollywood and and its celebrities. (sighs) We're we're being hypocrites. We have pastors who are multimillionaires who have huge mansions and private jets and, and 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 look, I'm not saying owning things like that is wrong necessarily, but when you when you come from an institution that says that the greatest of these are the poorest of these, and when I know it's not the exact quote, but when you say when you have a a belief that the it's harder for a rich man to enter to the eye of evil, the eye the eye of a needle than to enter the heaven uh, to enter the gates of heaven. Then I think it might be a good mentality to have that the leadership shouldn't be a multi million dollar
0: um a millionaire. Yeah. What well, I what was that guy's name? Uh was it Jesse Duplantis, I think. Like a, a pastor that obviously is a mega church pastor. He's on TBN and all this oh, stuff.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
0: He's he had millions of dollars, like personally. And then he got he had the balls to get up on TV and on stage and say, God told me that I need to buy a brand new Learjet, so I'm taking an offering. Right. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? Or what's his name? Joel Osteen. Oh. We got another hurricane coming to the area. Uh And if that man tries again to lock his doors. I know. I know. He is going to be one of the first people that we get when we say eat the rich. And I, I know I was stumbling over my
1: words there, and I'm, I apologize for getting emotional here, but it, here's the thing. And I'm passionate about this because it hasn't worked. I believe that most people wouldn't be as upset about the wrongs or the things that people would do in the church if the good churches or people were to speak up more and be more accountable for the wrongs. Yeah. If you're a Christian listening to this, if you go to a church, if you're a pastor at a church or whatever— Don't let others speak for the church. It it comes down to you. It's literally that simple. If you want to see the change in the church, then hold it accountable. Be the change. Be the change. Don't let people taint it anymore. And that's always baffled me in all this. It's like, why defend or lessen what people do wrong in the church? Why not address it? Why not make it public? Like, no, this is, it's like, it's like Cold War. It's like whenever, this is when we're going to get to American nationalism. So it's like during the Cold War when we were actually, Christians were the most, um, like one of the largest demographics to actually want refugees. You know why? Because it was further evidence that everything over there was wrong and what we were doing was right. It's the same mentality. If you want the world to see you as what we should be, as a light to the world, as a representation of Jesus Christ then freaking stand up for what Jesus Christ would have stood up for. Oh, yeah. Be the light. Speak up against evil. Speak up against the wrong. Speak up against injustice, not just within your own church, but as a collective community. Mm -hmm. If we want to see a change, as Chris said, we got to be the change.
0: 100%. Let's wrap this sucker up. Yeah. Um, So... We always want to end this on a more positive note because there is always more than this. And yep. we're not we're not just here to crap on churches. <laughs> Tim's not just here to crap on churches. <laughs> uh, so, as I'm sure you could tell in our tone, we're obviously not too pleased with the church as a whole right now, but we do see and believe in churches that can be like Jesus. Um, or the
1: idea anyways.
0: Yeah, we believe that there are organizations out there that for better or worse, are trying to be Christ-like, not just Christian, in quotes. I have a hope for what the church can turn into. It's going to take a lot of work, but what motivates me is the deconstructing community, truthfully. Um, People may or may not believe in all the theology they grew up with, but they still want to make the world a better place and spread the love that Jesus has for us all. The people I follow on TikTok, most of them, even if they've gone... One hundred eighty degrees the other way, and became straight up atheist. They still want to put positivity into the world. Yeah, they still yeah. want to show love, and they're saying, "Well, the church did it wrong, but I can do it right." And not as like a holier than thou, like, "Oh, well, I'm better than the church." They're just like, "Look, I know this was wrong. I know this is right. So I'm gonna do the right thing." Yeah, that's all it is. Um, in our show notes, we're gonna share some of the churches, the leaders, and the people that have. Inspired us and motivate us. Yeah. Uh, We may not always agree 100% with their theology or even their methods or what they preach, but we do believe in their message. And that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah. Uh, At the beginning of the episode, you heard uh, Amos chapter 5, verse 21, one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible right now. Um, And guys, we want to encourage you as we're ending this podcast to, um, again, if you haven't already, to like, subscribe, to rate us, to say, comment, talk to us about this stuff. Because, again, this whole point behind this whole purpose is to make you, if, if this is you, not to feel alone. And um, you can talk to us privately, publicly, whatever. Um, but we just want to let you know that you're not alone.
0: And just because we're the ones leading the podcast does not mean that we think we know everything. Oh God, no. We would love to have more views opened up to us so that we can explore those and learn more about the topic that we're already discussing, right, right, or a new topic that we haven't even gotten to. Yep,
1: Chris, you got anything else to say, brother?
0: Um, no, I think I have said everything that is edifying to say. <laughs> well, guys, um,
1: this has been uh, the deconstruction series. Part two, the church. Next week, I don't know what our subject will be, but we are definitely continuing this series. I will pick one. We will pick one. And uh, guys, thank you again so much for listening, for being a part of this community, for always believing that there is always more. We love you guys, and we'll see you
0: guys next time. Love you. Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Deconstruction Series on the Always More podcast. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, comment, and share this wherever you listen to us. Be sure to check out our resources and recommendations in the show notes for both this episode and episodes to come. And lastly, don't forget to listen into our deconstruction playlist on Spotify that can also be found in our show notes. Thank you, and see you next time.